All right, we're there in Ecclesiastes chapter number three. And of course, on Sunday nights, we've been going through this series called Undisciplined. And we've been looking at these different areas of life where people tend to lack discipline. And we've been learning about how to live a disciplined life. And if you remember, we started several weeks back and I preached a sermon on laziness and tardiness and cleanliness. And then last week, I preached a sermon uh, entitled Out of Control Words. Tonight, we're going to be looking at this idea of out-of-control emotions, having our emotions uh, in control. And we're going to learn about how to be an emotionally mature person. See, the Bible teaches that emotions were given to us by God. Uh, God himself experiences emotions. The Lord Jesus Christ had many emotions while on this earth. We're going to look at some of that tonight. And we were made in his image. So we experience emotions, and it was given to us by God. Emotions are not something that are to be suppressed. In fact, we're there in Ecclesiastes chapter 3. I want you to notice what uh, Solomon says here. If you look at verse 1, he says, To everything there is a season and a time to every purpose under heaven. And, of course, he goes through all these different things that there are different seasons of life and seasons of time that we may uh, experience them. But I want you to notice verse 4, he says, a time to weep. And of course, we weep as a result of an emotion. Then he says, a time to laugh. And we laugh as a result of an emotion. He says, a time to mourn. That's an emotion. And a time to dance. That comes as a result of an emotion. Look at verse 8. He says, a time to love. That's a feeling. It's an emotion. And a time to hate. That's a feeling and an emotion. I want you to notice here the Bible does not teach us that these things are bad things or that we should suppress them or that we should ignore them. In fact, the Bible says, look, there are times in your life when you're going to weep and there are other times when you're going to laugh. There are times when you're going to mourn and times when you're going to dance, times when you should love and times when you should hate. These are emotions that were given to us by God and we should embrace them and we should uh, balance them in our lives. Now, you're there in Ecclesiastes chapter 3. Uh, go back with me to the book of Proverbs, if you would, just one book backwards, Proverbs chapter 18. When you get to Proverbs, do me a favor and put a ribbon or a bookmark there or your bulletin because we're going to be coming back to the book of Proverbs throughout the sermon tonight. So we're going to learn about becoming an emotionally mature person. And the first thing I want to say just by way of introduction is that emotions should not be suppressed. Uh, they should not be ignored. Uh, they should be embraced. Now let me just give a disclaimer right at the beginning here and, and let me say this. There may be a medical reason why your emotions are imbalanced. And if that's the case, then you uh, may need to seek some medical attention. There are definitely reasons, biological reasons in the body of a person that can cause your emotions to not be balanced uh, as they should. And like I said, if that's the case, you need to see a doctor or get some medical attention in regards to that. It, if, if, if that's you or that's ever been you, I, I want to be clear, this sermon is not about that. I'm not a medical doctor, and I'm not going to get up here and give you um, medical advice. What I'm referring to is for people that are not having a physical reason as, a, as, as to why their emotions may be imbalanced, and it's just their own sin and flesh not wanting to control their emotions. And, of course, whenever you preach to a crowd, 
you know, we preach to 150 people, 170 people, 180 people, 200 people. Of course, you can't get into every specific detail of every person's life. But by and large, what we're talking about is just controlling your emotions. And like I said, if there's a medical reason as to why there may be an imbalance there or something you need to get checked out, then I definitely uh, would counsel and advise that you seek that medical attention. With that said, emotions are a very important uh, part of our life. Our emotions can help us succeed or they can cause us to fail in life and especially in the Christian life. You're there in Proverbs 18. Look at verse 14. The Bible says this, the spirit of a man, and the word spirit there is referring to your emotions. Obviously, it is the spirit, but it is how you feel in your spirit. It says, the spirit of a man will sustain his infirmity. See, someone could be going through a difficult time, maybe even an infirmity, and if their emotion, if their inner man, if their uh, feeling or the way they feel is good, he says, the spirit of man will sustain his infirmity, but a wounded spirit who can bear. When your spirit, when your emotions, when your uh, inner man is wounded, then you're going to be in trouble. A wounded spirit, the Bible asks this question, who can bear? You're there in Proverbs 18. Flip back to Proverbs 17. Proverbs 17, look at verse 22. Proverbs 17, 22. The Bible says, A merry heart doeth good like a medicine. It's good uh, like a medicine, the Bible says, for your heart to be merry, but a broken spirit drieth the bones. Go to Proverbs 15 and verse 13. If you flip back a couple of chapters, Proverbs 15 and verse 13, a merry heart maketh a cheerful countenance, but by sorrow of the heart, the spirit is broken. Sorrow of the heart is a reference to a feeling, an emotion. And by the sorrow of the heart, the Bible says, the spirit is broken. But a merry heart maketh a cheerful countenance. Your, your countenance, your face, uh, oftentimes will express to us the way you feel on the inside. And I just want to show you that emotions are something that the Bible says it's good to have them in their proper place. It's good to have them in their proper uh, uh, balance. It's good to have them controlled. Why? Because a merry heart doeth good like a medicine. Because a merry heart maketh a cheerful countenance. Because the spirit of a man will sustain his infirmity, but a wounded spirit who can bear. This is why uh, Solomon said, there is a time to weep, and when it's time to weep, you should weep. And when it's time to laugh, you should laugh. When it's time to mourn, you should mourn. You should embrace mourning. There are difficulties in life. Oftentimes people try to avoid mourning, but mourning is something that God has put in us to help us to get through difficult times. And if it's a time to mourn, you ought to mourn. And if it's time to dance, you ought to dance. And a time to love, and a time to hate. These are all things the Bible teaches. Even the secular world is becoming, uh, 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 starting to realize that emotions are an important thing. Let me just quickly, just by way of introduction, I'd like to uh, read to you some excerpts from a few articles here regarding uh, these new terms that are being used, uh, emotional intelligence. Now, I realize that emotional intelligence can probably be used to push a bunch of negative agendas and things that we don't uh, agree with, but I thought these articles were interesting. Let me just read to you a little bit uh, from, from them. One article is called EQ versus IQ. 
which one is more beneficial, EQ, emotional uh, intelligence versus IQ? Here's what the, the article says. It says, human intelligence is marvelously complex. For centuries, researchers and philosophers have attempted to define it. In the modern era, researchers have relied on intelligence quotients or IQ tests to measure both what people know and how quickly they can solve problems using reasoning. But IQ tests alone don't necessarily account for the full range of your thinking abilities. IQ tests don't always predict success in school, life, or business either. So in recent decades, researchers have expanded the definition of intelligence to include a wider set of skills. In the last 20 years, the concept of emotional intelligence, or EI, has emerged as a way to describe another set of thinking skills. Emotional intelligence refers to your ability to recognize and regulate emotion and to use social awareness in problem solving. The article goes on to say this. It says, your emotional uh, quotient uh, or EQ generally refers to your ability to sense emotion in yourself and in other people. It also refers to how you use the awareness to guide your behavior. In general, if you have a high EQ, you may find it easier to identify emotions in yourself and others empathize with others, adapt your feelings and behaviors to different situations, control your impulses, withstand temptations and delay gratification, resolve conflict with others, and communicate effectively. Here's another article entitled, Is IQ or EQ More Important? They answer this question, which is more important? It says, at one point in time, IQ was viewed as the primary determinant of success. People with high IQs were assumed to be destined for a life of accomplishment and achievement. But today, experts recognize that IQ is not the only determinant of of a life of success. Instead, it is part of a complex array of influences, one that includes emotional intelligence. Many companies now mandate emotional intelligence training and use EQ tests as part of their hiring process. Research has found that individuals with strong leadership potential also tend to be more emotionally intelligent, suggesting that high EQ is an important quality for business leaders and managers. So even the secular world is beginning to understand the importance of emotions and understanding our emotions and regulating our emotions and and being able to be responsible with our emotions. So I want to speak to you tonight on the subject of controlling your emotions. And what we're going to do, go with me if you would, keep your place in Proverbs, go with me to the New Testament book of Mark, Mark chapter 3. You've got Matthew, Mark, uh, second book in the New Testament, Mark chapter 3, keep your place in Proverbs. We're going to uh, look at two different headings in regards to our emotions tonight. The first one is things to know about your emotions. Just some things the Bible teaches and things that you should know and understand about your own emotions. And then secondly, we're going to talk about how to control your emotions. So things to know about your emotions and how to control your emotions. I would encourage you to write these things down, of course, on the back of your course of the week. There's a place for you to take down some notes. Things you should know about your emotions. First of all, you should know that your emotions can be good indicators. In fact, God gave you emotions uh, to be able to help you uh, 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 have some discernment in regards to situations. Sometimes your emotions are an alarm. Uh, they are an indicator 
to help you uh, understand or perceive a situation. I told you in my opening statements that the Lord Jesus Christ himself had many emotions. And we could spend the whole night looking at the emotions of Jesus. I'm not going to do that, but I do want to give you some examples. You're there in Mark chapter 3. Look at verse 1. Mark chapter 3, verse 1, the Bible says this, And he, this is referring to Jesus, entered again into the synagogue, and there was a man there which had a withered hand. And they, this is the Pharisees, watched him, whether he would heal him on the Sabbath day, that they might accuse him. So here we have Jesus teaching in the synagogue. A man with a withered hand comes in. And of course, Jesus has already been healing people and uh, helping people like this. And the, the, the Pharisees, they don't sit back to watch to see whether Jesus can heal him or will heal him. They want to see whether he would heal him on the Sabbath day, that they might accuse him of working on the Sabbath day. And of course, they had an improper understanding of the Sabbath day. But I want you to notice Jesus' response. Look at verse 5. The Bible says this, And when he, Jesus, had looked round about on them, notice these words, with anger. Notice that Jesus was angry. Now, of course, we understand that when most people get angry, they sin. Jesus, of course, was sinless. This is righteous indignation. He did not sin. It is possible to get angry and not sin. In fact, the Bible says, be ye angry and sin not. We know that Jesus uh, did not sin, but I want you to notice that he was angry. He was upset. And when he had looked round about, uh, them, uh, about on them with anger, notice these words, being grieved. See the word grieved? It's an emotional word. It means uh, having deep sorrow. He was angry and he was grieved. Why? For the hardness of their hearts. He saith unto them, uh, unto the man, stretch forth thine hand. And he stretched it out and his hand was restored whole as the other. See, Jesus looked at this situation. He perceived what was going on. He perceived that the Pharisees were uh, watching him and maybe they were whispering to each other and speaking in low tones and they were uh, uh, wondering whether he was going to heal this man on this day, the Sabbath day, so that they might accuse him. And Jesus was grieved, the Bible says. He was grieved in his heart because of the hardness of their heart. The Bible says that he was angry. So I want you to notice that sometimes, look, sometimes you might feel angry. Now, allowing anger to take control will lead you down the wrong path. But sometimes you may be, feel angry, and that's a good indicator. God put that in you. Sometimes you may be grieved, and that's an indicator. God is showing you that there's something there that you should be paying attention to. Go to the book of John, if you would. You're there in Mark. You have Luke and John. John chapter number 11. Mark, Luke, John. John chapter number 11. Emotions can be good indicators. When it comes to detecting lies and trying to get to the truth of a situation, it is often, you know, people say, trust your gut. And there's truth to that in the sense that whenever you get that feeling in your gut that something's not right here, something's not going, not, not correct here, your gut is probably correct about, in fact, most of the time I would say your gut is correct about that feeling. Now, you may be incorrect about your gut, if that makes sense. Sometimes we get this feeling like, oh, something's not wrong, something's not right here, and we might start making assumptions, well, it's this, and it's this, and it's this. And you may, that's where you find yourself like Job and his three friends. That's where you might find yourself like Elihu, 
knowing something's up here, but you start making assumptions about what is up. The point is this, that your emotions can be good indicators. God gave you emotions to try to help you perceive, to guide your relationships with other individuals. John chapter 11, look at verse 33. Notice Jesus again. John eleven thirty three. 33. When Jesus, therefore, saw her weeping. Remember, we, uh, read, I, I read to you that article about emotional intelligence. People that are high in emotional intelligence identify emotions in, your, in themselves and others, empathize with others, adapt their feelings and behaviors to different situations, control their impulses, withstand temptations, resolve conflict, communicate effectively. I would say, based off that definition, that Jesus was very high in emotional intelligence. Notice how he empathize with others. Here, verse 33, when Jesus therefore saw her weeping and the Jews also weeping, this is of course after Lazarus' death, which came with her, notice these words, he groaned. The word groan means a deep sound of despair. I want you to notice that Jesus was a very, uh, a man that was in touch with his emotions. He groaned, the Bible says, in the spirit and was troubled and said, where have they laid him? They said unto him, Lord, come and see. And then, of course, you have John 11.35, one of the most famous verses in the Bible, the shortest verse in the Bible. The Bible says, Jesus wept. Why do you weep? Because he was in touch with his emotions. He was connected to his emotions. See, your emotions can be an indicator. In fact, the Bible says this. You don't have to turn here. You go to Proverbs 16, if you would. Proverbs 16. I'll read to you from Hebrews chapter 4. Hebrews chapter 4 and verse 15. This is about Jesus. It says, For we have not an high priest. Jesus is our high priest. For we have not an high priest which cannot be touched with the feelings of our infirmities, but was in all points tempted like as we are, yet without sin. See, Jesus felt everything you felt. Jesus went through every emotion that you've ever gone through. Jesus went, experienced everything you've experienced. The only difference is he did it without sin. You and I often do it with sin. But I want you to notice that emotions can be good indicators. Emotions, sometimes things happen. And you instantly kind of get that agitation or upset or that's not right or why are they doing that or why are they saying that? And look, that's something that God put in you. God put in you that emotion as an indicator to tell you, hey, there's something you should be paying attention to here. This is not going well. The Pharisees are not sitting here watching because they're hoping that you'll heal him. No, his emotions uh, kind of went up. That, that alarm went up and there was something to indicate there. Now, of course, Jesus was sinless, so he didn't sin. We need to be careful because, number one, emotions can be good indicators. That's true. But number two, you and I need to realize that our emotions can be unreliable. They may be good indicators that something's going on here that I need to pay attention to. But sometimes when that emotion goes up, we begin to make assumptions like if we know. See, some, you come to church and somebody, you know, kind of gives you the silent treatment or steps back and, 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 and maybe they don't, they don't uh, walk up to you and say hello or whatever. And, 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 and you feel that and there's an indicator there. Something's wrong. Now, your emotions can run with that and say, they must be my mortal enemy. I must get on Facebook and rat them out about all the sins they have. Or maybe they're going through a rough time. Or maybe they're, you know, you, you don't know. Look, your emotions might, that, that's, you might sense it and say, oh, that's different. 
Good. Understand, God gave you that emotion. But before you start running with every little assumption, well, they said that about me, and she looked at me that way, and I don't like that, and I don't like this, realize that your emotions can be good indicators, but your emotions can also be very unreliable. So allow them to indicate, but don't allow them to lead. Allow them to bring things to your attention, but don't allow them to take control or charge of the situation. Proverbs 16, verse 25. See, your emotions, the Bible tells us, they come from our heart, right? The spirit. These are all terms that are used interchangeably. Heart, spirit, uh, the, the inside of a man, your soul, who you are. The Bible says in Proverbs 16, 25, there is a way, notice, that seemeth right unto a man. But the end thereof are the ways of death. See, sometimes we look at a situation and we say, oh, that seems right. And it may look right in the moment, but it's not right. There is a way which seemeth right unto a man, but it's not the right way. It just looks right to you. But the end thereof are the ways of death. You say, why is that or how can that be? Continue to keep your place in Proverbs. Go to Jeremiah chapter 17. Jeremiah chapter 17. Proverbs, Ecclesiastes, Song of Solomon, Isaiah, Jeremiah, Jeremiah 17. I hope, I'm asking and I'm praying the Lord will help me with my communication ability to make sure I can communicate this clearly to you. The point I'm saying is this, your emotions, sometimes you come in contact with someone, you have an interaction with someone, and, and there's an emotional, there's an emotional response from you. You feel something, hey, God put that in you, that's an indicator to say, maybe there's something wrong here, maybe there's something I need to think about here, maybe there's something I need to look into here, that's good, it's a good indicator, but don't start making assumptions that just because you feel something, you now know everything. Maybe you don't know. Maybe you're right, your gut's telling you there's something here, but you don't know what that something is. You should think about it. You should pray about it. You should ask questions. Because there is a way which seemeth right unto a man, but the end thereof are the ways of death. Jeremiah 17, look at verse 9. Jeremiah 17, 9. Notice these words. The heart is deceitful above all things. The heart. That's a very poetic way of saying you. (laughs) Me. The heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. Who can know it? United States of America, we like to tell people, follow, follow your heart, follow your heart. That's the worst advice you can give somebody, follow your heart. Last thing you want to do is follow your stinking heart. Your heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. The last thing you want to do is follow, well, I'm just, I'm just going to do, what you know, and this is what people are often, you, you go out in the world and they, you start trying to get counsel from your girlfriend or your boyfriend or whatever. They get counsel from your uh, co-workers, and they say, well, you got to take care of yourself. Tell me, where does, where does the Bible say that? Well, you got to look out for, for, for yourself. Really? Because when I read the Bible, it says to esteem others better than yourself. Amen. They say, oh, follow your heart. Do what makes you happy. Do what you think is right. Uh, do what feels good. Do what feels right. No, all of that is wrong. The Bible says the heart is deceitful above all things. Right, desperately and desperately wicked. Who can know it? So your emotions, yes, your emotions can be a good indicator, but they can be a terrible leader. Your emotions are a good indicator, but they can be very unreliable. Matthew chapter 15, if you would, first book in the New Testament, notice what Jesus said in Matthew chapter 15, 
and verse 19. Matthew 15 and verse 19, the Bible says this, Jesus said, For out of the heart proceedeth evil thoughts, murders, adulteries, fornications, thefts, false witness, blasphemies. See, sometimes your heart starts to tell you something. Something's not right here. Something's not right here with my spouse. Something's not right here with my kids. Something's not, not, not right here uh, with this uh, church member. Something's not right here uh, with the pastor or the pastor. Your heart tells you there's something not right here, and that's good. That's an indicator. God gave you that emotion to say, hey, there, there, there's something off here. Something's different. Something's changed. But before you start running off and making all sorts of assumptions about everyone and everything... Remember that your heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. Remember that out of the heart, that, the, that Jesus said, for out of the heart proceeded evil thoughts, murders, adulteries, fornications, theft, false uh, witness, blasphemies. Let me tell you something. Here's what I know about you, and I don't have to know you very well to know this about you. In fact, I know this about everyone, even people I've never met. You can know this about me, and this is the truth. Every stupid thing we've ever done, every sinful thing we've ever done, everything we did that cost us uh, uh, time and energy and, and, and gave us spiritual wounds and gave us, uh, 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 and gave us problems in our life, every stupid and dumb thing you and I ever did in life, we were the masterminds of. Came out of our heart. We had that idea. We decided to go there. We decided to call her. We decided to go there. We decided to spend that money. We decided to get a divorce. We, whatever, whatever bad idea you've had, whatever bad experience you've had, you were the mastermind behind it. I was the mastermind behind it. For out of the heart proceedeth evil thoughts. So allow your emotions to be an indicator, but don't let them lead you. Don't let them take charge. Don't let them start making decisions because emotions are good indicators, but emotions can be unreliable because they come out of your heart. And your heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. Who can know it? You can't, I can't. Number three. Not only can emotions be good indicators. Number two, not only can emotions be unreliable. Number three, emotions can be controlled. Emotions can be controlled. Proverbs 16 and verse 32. Proverbs 16 and verse 32, the Bible says, He that is slow to anger is better than the mighty. He that is slow to anger is better than the mighty. Look at the last part of verse 32. And he that ruleth his spirit than he that taketh the city. The Bible says it's better to rule your spirit than to rule a city. He said it's better for you to have control of your inner man than to have control over other people, than to have control over a nation, a city, a providence. He that ruleth the spirit, it says, 
The idea is that you're better than. He that is slow to anger is better than the mighty, and he that ruleth the spirit better than he that taketh a city. See, your emotions can be controlled. And the lie that we like to tell ourselves and tell other people is that once I get, you know, once I get going, I can't stop. And once I, you know, once I get upset or once I get sad or one, you know, there's no stopping it. But the truth of the matter is that you can control it. The Bible says that you can rule your spirit. And let me just be clear about something. And again, there's medical reasons why people may have these problems with their emotions, and in those cases, they need to seek medical uh, help. But when we're talking about someone that's not dealing with something medically, uh, uh, biologically in that sense, and it's just you need to get control over your emotions, let me tell you something. The Bible says you can do it. Say, how can, you, how can you promise that? Well, I can promise it because the Bible says that you can walk in the Spirit. The Bible says that when you walk in the Spirit, you will not fulfill the lust of the flesh. And the Bible says that the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, meekness, temperance, self-control. When you have, when you're walking in the Spirit, the fruit of the Spirit is self-control. So you can control your spirit. He that rules the Spirit is better than he that taketh the city. Look, look. Here's what we think. We think, I can't control my emotions. So if I can just control my husband, if I can just control my wife, if I can just control my children, if I can just control my co-workers, if I can just control those crazy church members, then, then everything will be fine. But God said, no, no, no. See, you think... I can't control myself, so let me try to control everyone else. And by the way, when you can't control your emotions, you will try to control everyone else. But the Bible says, the Bible says, he that ruleth his spirit is better than he that taketh the city. He said, it's better for you to control yourself than control other people. It it would be better for you, it would be more beneficial for you to learn to take control of yourself than to try to control a whole city worth of people. Or a whole church worth of people. Or a whole house worth of people. See, your emotions can be controlled. And, and, and you say, well, how do you know when I'm in control of my emotions or when my emotions are in control of me? And we're going to talk a little bit about that. But let me just say this. When your emotions stop you from doing something, you're not in control. When you don't go, when you cancel, when you make up a reason why, when you lie and say, well, you know, I can't because of this or I won't because of that. When your emotions stop you from doing something that you want to do or you should do, I would go soul winning, but I'm just so shy. Hey, you're not in control of your emotions. Your emotions are in control of you. Now, you say, yeah, but I have those emotions. Look, we all have emotions that we need to try to get control over and get a hold of, but I'm not trying to hurt your feelings. I'm just telling you, if you're being stopped by your emotions, if your emotions stop you from doing something that is good for you to do or something that God asked of you to do, when they stop you, your emotions are in control, not you. And you have to learn to overcome those emotions. We all have to learn to overcome emotions. And look, I'm not standing up here like I'm some, you know, I got it all put together and I've got it all situated. I struggle with my emotions just like anyone else. I, I get upset and angry and, and, and all those things just like anybody else. I deal with uh, uh, anxiety and things just like anybody else. I've been t- talking a lot about this lately with different people. 
Uh, but, you know, I'll, I'll tell you this, and you may or may not know this about me, and, and, and I don't know that it's really that big of a deal. I was just talking to Pastor Anderson just, just maybe an hour ago. We are on the phone, and uh, his, uh, his wife had told him this, and he's like, oh, I didn't, I didn't know that about you. But, you know, I, I, I don't deal with this in, in, in real life, like in, in just the, the real setting, but there's something about getting on planes. I'm just a little claustrophobic when it comes to getting on those planes. And, you know, I get on these planes sometimes, and, and my anxiety just kind of starts picking up. The interesting thing is that I can fly on a plane for an hour, two hours, three hours, and have no problem. But once I'm on that plane for about four hours, five hours, seven hours, man, I just start kind of, I just need to get out, you know. I want to, like, pull out a knife, and uh, I pretend I'm a terrorist and see if they'll land the plane or something, you know. And it just starts, it starts uh, uh, messing with me. You know, Pastor Anderson was kind of, he was kind of laughing. He's like, because he was telling, he, he was saying, oh, you know, he's not, no, I mean, he, he, how, how, why would he get anxious on planes? He travels so much. And I'm like, yeah, it's my cross to bear. You know, God is playing this uh, joke on me where he's like, oh, you know, you don't like planes. Let's fly you everywhere and uh, make you go preach places, you know. But here's the thing. I don't let it stop me. I don't like it. I dread it. You ask my wife, sometimes I've got these long plane rides uh, coming up, and I, I get up in the middle of the night, and I'm like, I can't do it. I'm, not gonna, I'm just going to cancel. And she's like, stop being a wimp. You know, no. and she's like, you'll be fine. You'll be fine. We, we flew to Jordan. I flew to Jordan with Pastor Anderson, and we were doing a, 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 a film there, and, and it was like, a, I don't know, like 15-hour flight or 16-hour flight or something, and, and leading up to that trip, I was just having all these nervousness about that trip, just being in this, you know, can for 15 hours, I don't know if I can do it, and, you know, I, I stayed up for like 24 hours before the flight, and then I, when I got on the flight, I just like took all this melatonin and just, you know, try to sleep for as long as possible on that plane. Here's all I'm telling you. It's normal for us to have emotions that try to derail us. That's normal. But when you allow them to stop you, now they're in control. Now they're in charge. Now they're the boss. So some things you should know about your emotions. Number one, emotions are good indicators. That's it. Good indicators. They don't give you facts. They don't give you knowledge. They don't say, yeah, that was odd how they spoke to you, and here's why. You don't know why. Emotions are good indicators, but emotions can be unreliable. Also, emotions can be and should be controlled. Go go to Proverbs 25. Proverbs 25. Look at verse 28. This is probably my favorite verse when it comes to emotions. I would say this is maybe the key verse, similar to the one we just saw. Proverbs 25, 28, he that hath no rule over his own spirit is like a city that is broken down and without walls. Some of you should memorize that verse. He that hath no rule over his own spirit, you, you have no control over your emotions. Your emotions get the better of you. The emotions say control. They, they control you. He that hath no rule over his own spirit is like a city that is broken down and without walls. What does that mean? In the ancient world, you would have these cities and they would build these walls as a defense or as a protective barrier. And the walls would, were the way that they protected themselves. And a city without a wall was left defenseless. A city without a wall was left open like sitting ducks 
for an attack. Anyone could walk into that city and begin to uh, kill or to steal or to pillage or whatever because there was no defense mechanism for that city. And God says that he that hath no rule over his own spirit is like a city that is broken down and without walls. What does that mean? When you can't control your emotions, you leave yourself defenseless for anyone to come in and start messing with you. For people to start coming into your city and doing whatever they want, and you can't stop them because you've got no rule over your own city, because you've got no defense around your own emotions, because you've got no wall to control your emotions. He that has no rule over his own spirit is like a city that is broken down and without walls. See, when somebody says something like this, he made me so mad, she made me so mad. They made me so mad. No, nobody made you mad unless you allowed them to make you mad. He that had no rule over his own spirit is like a city that is broken down without walls. They put me in such a bad mood. Well, why do they have so much control over you? They, they got me so, they made me so angry. People get upset in their marriages. They want to get divorced. He doesn't make me happy. She doesn't make me happy. Well, when did, it become, when did it become somebody else's responsibility to make you happy? You're supposed to find your joy in Jesus Christ. And as nice as your wife is, as nice as your husband is, as nice as your children are, as nice as your house is, as nice as your job is, none of those things are supposed to bring joy into your life. It's Jesus. But he that hath no rule over his own spirit is like a city that is broken down without walls. See, you allow anyone and everything. A perfect stranger on the road can cut you off and ruin your day. Just piss you off. Make you mad. And you're like a city that is broken down without walls. Why are you allowing people to come in and take control? Proverbs chapter 4, verse 23. Proverbs 4, 23. Well, I turn there. Let me give you this quote. When your emotions is a byproduct of your circumstances, listen to me. When your emotions are a byproduct of your circumstances, you will only be in control of your emotions as you are in control of your circumstances. That's why you're trying to control the city. When your emotions are a byproduct of your circumstances, you will only be in control of your emotions as you are able to control your circumstances. Here's the problem. We often cannot control our circumstances. And because our circumstances are out of control, so are our emotions. You cannot allow your emotions to be a byproduct of your circumstances. I'll I'll be happy as long as he. I'll be fine as long as she. I'll be great as long as they. But when he doesn't, she doesn't, they don't, it fails, it goes the wrong way, then you let them take control. But I'm here to tell you that your emotions can be controlled. Proverbs 4, verse 23, keep, the word keep means to guard, to protect, keep thy heart with all diligence, for out of it are the issues of life. God says you ought, to put a, you ought to put a gatekeeper, you ought to put a gate up, you ought to put a wall up and keep your heart. Don't allow people, don't allow people to control you. He made me so mad. 
she made me so mad. You're a grown person. You ought to control yourself. You ought to be in control of your own emotions. So here's some things to know about your emotions. Number one, emotions can be good indicators, and they often are. That little emotion sense goes off, and you're like, hmm, something's not right here. But, but don't let it lead you because your emotions can be unreliable. And your emotions can be controlled. Those are some things you should know about your emotions. Let's shift gears a little bit and talk about how to control your emotions. How do you control your emotions? Let me just quickly give you some thoughts. Proverbs 22, if you would. Proverbs 22. I gave you three things to know about your emotions. Emotions can be good indicators. Emotions can be unreliable. Emotions can be uh, controlled. Let me give you three thoughts in regards to controlling your emotions. How do you control your emotions? Number one, control who you spend time with. You say, I want to control my emotions. Then you ought to control who you spend time with because the people that you spend time with will influence your emotions. Proverbs 22, verse 24. Proverbs 22, 24. Make no friendship with an angry man. The Bible says, now here, look, the Bible's telling us here about an angry man, but really you could, you could substitute angry man with any other emotion. Anger is an emotion. Substitute it with any other emotion. Make no friendship with an angry man, and with a furious man thou shalt not go. Why? Here's why. Lest thou learn his ways and get a snare to thy soul. See, the people you spend time with, the people you send, they'll, they'll begin to influence you. You'll begin to talk like them, think like them. Have the same ideas that they have. Birds of a feather flock together. Look, you start hanging out with somebody, they, they wear all black, they paint their fingernails black, they paint their hair, their hair's jet black, their eyes are, you know, they got all this dark makeup, they're always sad. You start spending enough time with that person, you're going to start feeling down too. Man, my, your, your life is terrible and so is mine. Look, you say, I, I need to get control over my emotions. You got to control who you spend time with. You, you, you young people, you start feeling this rebellion. You know, sometimes young people, it seems like out of nowhere, you know, you got some good kids and they're serving the Lord and just out of nowhere just comes this little attitude of rebellion. And sometimes parents, they're just kind of like, Man, I don't understand. You know, everything was going fine and maybe there's something I, I don't know. But I mean, it's not like there doesn't seem like they're in any sin. And we've, we've, we've dug into it and looked at it. And we don't, you know, everything seems fine. I don't know why all of a sudden they're all angry and upset and, what, and all of that. Check who they're spending time with. Oftentimes, young people, they start getting this rebellious attitude and they got nothing. They're, you ever heard of a rebel without a cause? They got no reason to rebel. It's just their friend has a bad attitude, so now they're going to have a bad attitude. Their buddy has an issue with their mom or their dad, so now they think they should have an issue with their mom and their dad. Look, you, you say, I'm mad at my boss, and I don't know why. Maybe it's because you're hanging out with co-workers that are mad at the boss. I'm just, saying, I'm just letting you know. You say, I want to control my emotions. Well, control who you spend time with. Don't allow people that have bad attitudes to spend time with you, because if they spend time with you, they'll influence you. The Bible says, iron sharpeneth iron. Make no friendship with an angry man. Why? Lest thou learn his ways. So how do we control our emotions? Number one, you got to control who you spend time with. Number two, you got to control your thoughts. You got to control your thoughts. Proverbs 23, you're there in Proverbs 22, just flip over to Proverbs 23, look at verse 7. Proverbs 23, verse 7. Notice these words. For as he thinketh in his heart, so is he. 
No, the Bible says that the way you think, let me tell you something. You feel the way you feel because you think the way you think. See, people think, well, you know, I'll start thinking better when I feel better. No, no, no. You start thinking better, you'll feel better. You feel the way you feel because you think the way you think. See, the Bible says, the Bible says, for as he thinketh in his heart, so is he. We must take control over our thoughts. We must take control over our mind. If you want to control your emotions, you must control your thoughts. Go to 2 Corinthians chapter 10, if you would. New Testament, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, Acts, Romans, 1st, 2 Corinthians, 2 Corinthians chapter 10. 2 Corinthians chapter 10, look at verse 5. 2 Corinthians chapter number 10 and verse number 5. You know this verse, I'm sure you know it, but let's look at it together. 2 Corinthians 10, 5. Casting down imaginations and every high thing that exalted itself against the knowledge of God. Notice these words. And bring into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ. You need to bring your thoughts in control. How do I control my emotions? You control... Who you spend time with, how do you control your emotions? You control your thoughts because you feel the way you feel. Look, you feel the way you feel because you think the way you think. For as he thinketh in his heart, so is he. Go to Philippians chapter 4. You're there in 2 Corinthians, Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians. Philippians chapter 4. Philippians chapter 4, look at verse 7. And the peace of God. Peace would be the biblical term for emotional stability, emotional balance, and the peace of God, which passes all understanding. When you got it, people don't understand it. How can you be at peace when this is happening? How can you be at peace when you're going through this? How can you be? They don't understand it because, look, it comes from God. It's found in Jesus. In me, Jesus said, you shall have peace. In the world you shall have tribulation. Be of good cheer. I've overcome the world. And the peace of God, which passeth all understanding, shall keep, look, shall keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. Then he says this. You say, well, how do I do that, Paul? How do I have the peace of God? How do I keep my heart? How do I keep my mind? Verse 8. Finally, my brethren, whatsoever things are true, whatsoever things are honest, whatsoever things are just, whatsoever things are pure, whatsoever things are lovely, whatsoever things are of good report, if there be any virtue, if there be any praise, think on these things. you got to control your mind. Why? Because for as he thinketh in his heart, so is he. Pastor, I'm going through a hard time. How's your thought life? I, I don't feel good. Look, you feel the way you feel because you think the way you think. Amen. You start thinking of good things. You start thinking of whatsoever things are true and honest and just and pure and lovely, good report, virtue, praise. Look, you can't, you can't praise God and, 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 and be down. You start feeling, you, you know, and sometimes I start feeling down and I, I like that little, phrase, that little phrase in that song we sing, you know, when life seems worse than useless. And I were better dead. Sometimes you sing that part and you're like, oh, I'm just feeling so down. But then you get to that chorus, it's just like Jesus to roll the clouds away. It's just like Jesus to keep me day by day. Look, you can't sing that. You can't sing that and stay down. You start thinking about Jesus. You start thinking about Christ. You start thinking about the things that God has done for you. Look, you say, I want to control my emotions. You need to control your thoughts. You need to control the people you spend time with. 
You need to think on these things. Isaiah chapter 26, if you would, if you kept your place in Proverbs, from Proverbs, you have Proverbs, Ecclesiastes, Song of Solomon, Isaiah. Isaiah chapter 26, verse 3. Isaiah 26, verse 3. I love this verse. Notice what he says. He says, Thou will keep him in perfect peace. Emotional stability. Thou will keep him in perfect peace. Don't miss it. Whose mind is stayed on thee. Because he trusteth in thee. Put your mind on Christ. Keep your mind on Christ. He'll keep you in perfect peace. Psalm 42. Psalm 42, if you would, you're there in Proverbs. Just flip back to Psalm 42. Sometimes in the world, they'll tell you, they'll talk to you about self-talk. And I'm not, you know, I'm not necessarily against, against these things. I mean... I think the people who promote these things, their heart's in the right place. And I think to an extent they're, they're correct, you know, because as a man thinketh, so is he. So they'll say, hey, you know, you got to think positively. you got to think confidently. Don't, you know, don't tell yourself that you're a loser and you're never going to succeed. You know, they talk about self-talk. And, and like I said, I, I realize there's a lot of baggage that goes with that. And I don't, I don't necessarily think all of that is, is negative. I, you should think positively and you should think on these things. And we, and we understand that. But you know what's more powerful than self-talk is spiritual talk. Amen. You ought to have some spiritual self-talk. Psalm 42, I want you to notice uh, 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 our psalmist here, David. If, you're, if, you, if you know anything about David, look, the Bible says that David was a man after God's own heart. And David was an emotional man. I mean, if David was alive today, I don't, they'd put him on some, some medication. <laughs> they'd diagnose him with something. You say, what are you talking about? Have you ever read the book of Psalms? I mean, you start off with one psalm, you're just like... You know, blessed is the man that walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly and rejoice and God is great and the Lord is my shepherd. I mean, sometimes you get these psalms and he's praising God. Let everything that hath breath praise the Lord. Praise you, the Lord. Then you get to other psalms and he's just like, I just want to die. <laughs> and then sometimes he's just like, God, will you kill them? Will you just bash their skulls across the rocks? Will you just kill their widows? I mean, the guy is just everywhere. You ever read, you ought to read the book of Psalms. Sometimes he's like, everything's great. Other times he's like, everything's terrible. You say, why did God put that in the Bible? Because that's how you are and that's how I am. Sometimes everything's good and sometimes things aren't good. But don't you notice Psalm 42? Look at this spiritual self-talk. Notice, notice what he says. Psalm 42, verse 11. Why art thou cast down, O my soul? He's talking to himself. He says, why are you so down? Why art thou cast down, down, O my soul? And why art thou disquieted within me? He's talking to himself. He's saying, why are you so down? Why are you disquieted? Why art thou cast down, O my soul? And why art thou disquieted within me? Then he says this, Hope thou in God, for I shall yet praise him, who is the health of my countenance and my God. Here you have the psalmist telling himself, Why are you so down? Hope thou in God. You say, what is that? Spiritual self-talk. He's telling himself, hey, your hope is God. Your hope is in God. God is your hope. You don't need to be down. Sometimes things aren't going well, but you know what? My hope is in God, not in this world. My hope is in God, not in whatever's uh, going on in my life. So you got to take control of who you spend time with, and you got to take control of your thoughts. Let me give you a third one. Uh, uh, we'll, we'll finish up. Go, go, go to the book of Job, if you would. You're there in Proverbs. Just 
Go backwards past Psalms in the book of Job. How to control your emotions, number one, control who you spend time with. Number two, control your thoughts. Number three, control your actions. Control your actions. See, conventional wisdom says that you have to get a hold of your feelings. But we've talked about it. The way you feel is a result of the way you think. You feel the way you feel because you think the way you think. Here's another thing that conventional wisdom teaches that is wrong. Conventional wisdom says that actions follow feelings. That you're not getting done in life what you need to get done in life because your feelings are not good. If you go out today and talk to a modern or clinical psychologist, psychiatrist, psychotherapist, their assumption, their preconceived idea is that your feelings precede, your, your, your feelings follow your actions. See, they say the problem is the feeling. Let's fix the emotion and then the actions will get fixed. That's why they'll prescribe people all sorts of medications. You're not, you know, if you're not feeling good, they'll give you something to pick you up. And when you're, pick, you're too picked up, then they'll give you something to put you down. And they'll, they'll give you all sorts of prescriptions and medications and things to help your feelings. And look, here's all I'm saying is the Bible teaches that your feelings follow your actions. See, we think, oh no, if I get my feelings right, then my action, then my life will get in order. But no, no, no. When you do what you're supposed to do, your feelings will follow. See, you're supposed to do what you're supposed to do, whether you feel like it or not. Amen. And when you do what you're supposed to do, your feelings fall in line. Remember Asaph in the book of Psalms? He's all discouraged and upset. He started looking at the world, started feeling bad, started feeling like he got ripped off in life, started feeling like all the wicked people are prospering, and I've sat here giving my life to the things of God. But what did he do? See, how did he get out of that? He, he went into the house of the Lord. He did what he was supposed to do. And when he went to the house of the Lord, his feelings followed his actions. Amen. He went to the house of God, and his feelings got right with God. His emotions got right with God. Why? Because... Uh, it, it's not true that your actions follow your feelings. What's true is that your feelings follow your actions. So you do right. You do what you're supposed to do. Don't, don't quit doing what you're supposed to do. Say, yeah, but I don't feel like it. Sometimes we don't feel like it. Well, how do I keep doing the right thing when I don't feel like it? It's called duty. Amen. It's called integrity. It's called responsibility. You just do what you're supposed to do, whether you want to or not, and your feelings will line up. Job 13. Remember Job? He was going through a difficult time. Remember Job? He was an emotional mess. He was up and down and, and, and all around, and, and we could would understand. If we went through what Job went through, we'd, we'd be worse, way worse. Job 13, 15, notice what Job said. He said, though he slay me, yet will I trust in him. Here, he was on an up. He was good. But then he said this, and this is, I think, usually when we go to this verse, we, we focus on the first part. Though he slay me, yet will I trust in him. And that's great. But notice the second part of the verse. He says, but I will maintain mine own ways before him. Here's what Job said. 
I'm not doing well, but I'm not going to stop doing what I know I should be doing. I will maintain mine own ways before him. He said, what I was doing when I was feeling well, I'm going to keep doing, though I'm not feeling well. You say, why? Because your feelings follow your actions. You just do the right thing, and your feelings will catch They'll catch up. They'll come along. Go to Romans, if you would. We're going to look. Romans, 1 Corinthians, we'll finish up. In the New Testament, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, Acts, Romans. Romans, and we're going to go to 1 Corinthians. We talked about things to know about your emotions. What are they? Number one, emotions can be good indicators. Number two, emotions can be unreliable. Number three, emotions can be controlled. We talked about how to control your emotions. How do you do it? Number one, control you spend time with. Number two, control your thoughts. Number three, control your actions. Why? Because you feel the way you feel because you think the way you think. And your feelings follow your actions, not vice versa. So stop trying to fix your feelings hoping that you'll get your actions in line and just get your actions in line and your feelings will follow. Let me finish with this thought. You and I will experience different emotions through life. We start in Ecclesiastes, right? A time to weep, a time to laugh. A time to mourn, a time to laugh, a t- t- to dance. A time to love, a time to hate. You're going to go through different parts of your life and you're going to experience different emotional upheavals and emotional roller coasters. And look, embrace it, let it be an indicator, don't let it take control, realize that God gave it to you for a reason, but don't let it control you and move on in life. But let me just say this about your emotions. You will experience emotions through life, and you should experience emotions with others. See, we were created for community. We were created to live the Christian life within a group with a team, striving together for the faith of the gospel. It's the local New Testament church. You were not created to live your life in isolation. Romans chapter 12, look at verse 15. Notice what the Bible says. Here, this is a, a, a command to the church, to the local New Testament body of believers. Rejoice with them that do rejoice, and weep with them that weep. See, look, we're supposed to rejoice. When, people, when, when somebody gets a job, we're supposed to rejoice and say, praise the Lord. They, they may, maybe they bought that house or they, they, they got that promotion or they got that prayer request answered or whatever it might be, and we rejoice. But then we also weep with them that weep. They're going through a difficult time. We bring meals. We pray for them. We love them. This is called church. It's called church life. We're a community. Now, here's what's interesting. Go, go to 1 Corinthians chapter 12. God says, rejoice with them that rejoice and weep with them that weep. This is not the only place the Bible tells us this. The Bible also tells us this in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, which also has to do with the body of Christ. 1 Corinthians 12, verse 26. Notice what he says. And whether one member suffer, all the members suffer with it, or one member be honored, all the members rejoice with it, We're supposed to live as a community, and we're supposed to live and experience these emotions with others. Now, here's what's interesting. Oftentimes, what I've noticed over the last 11 years of ministry, what I've noticed is that oftentimes when people are struggling with their emotions, when they need church most, when they need people most, they tend to isolate themselves. When they're not feeling well, 
they decide, I'm not going to go to church. I'm not going to go to that activity. I'm not going to show up for soul winning. I'm not going to do this. I'm not going to do that. And let me tell you something. You were not meant to live in isolation. God gave you a church. Why? So that when one member suffer, all the members suffer with it. Or one member be honored, all the members rejoice with it. So that we can rejoice with them that do rejoice and weep with them that weep. Let me tell you something. The worst thing you could do when things aren't going well in life and your emotions are not doing well is to isolate yourself. You need to be around people. You say, but my emotions. Why don't you seek counseling? You know you need to talk to somebody. You, you, you know that that sin you're dealing with is not going away. You, you know that your marriage is struggling. You know that you're having this issue or that issue. And you, you know that you should talk to pastor or talk to Miss Joanne or go to one of the uh, leaders in the church and, 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 and get the help. Why don't you do it? Because your emotions tell you not to. Because your emotions say, no, you're going to be embarrassed. No, you're going to be, uh, they're going to think this of you. They're going to think that of you. Let me tell you something. Don't allow your emotions to lead you. Your emotions say, don't show up to church. You show up to church. Why? Because we want to rejoice with you when you're rejoicing, and we want to weep with you when you're weeping. Don't let your emotions take control. Because we were meant to live as a community of believers, a body of believers. And it's a beautiful picture when one member suffer, all the members suffer with it. Or one member be honored, all the members rejoice with it. Rejoice with them that do rejoice. Weep with them that weep. Two are better than one. This idea is found all throughout the Bible. So when you need it the most, see, when we don't need the group, everything's happy, everything's great, we want to show up to church and talk, and great, everything's great. Praise the Lord. But when you need it the most, don't isolate. When, look, when, when you don't feel like going to church, that's when you need to go to church the most. Amen. So get in there. In fact, show up early, stay late, fellowship with someone, talk to somebody, pray with somebody. Say, I, I just need some help. And let us rejoice with you, let us weep with you, let us suffer with you, and let us help you. Let's bow our heads and have a word of prayer. Heavenly Father, Lord, thank you for these.